0: Welcome, everybody, to the Tech Ride Home Experience for Thursday, September 29th. We have been absent for a while, uh, a couple of weeks. Um, I took a trip to Israel, which was an amazing time. Brian, I know you had a a 10-year wedding anniversary, is that right? Right. Congratulations, congratulations. Thank you. Good, yeah. Um, And just, you know, otherwise, we've kind of been, I think, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, riding at the end of the summer. But... Uh, there's been a lot of stuff going on and uh today we are joined by aiden uh who writes for the information um and you want to say a little bit about yourself first and kind of like your your beat your focus you know what you've kind of been working on
1: definitely yeah And, and thanks so much for having me um i as you mentioned yeah i report the information um i cover crypto um just really generally so we you know don't have a specific beat within the um you know covering crypto i Know, kind of tend to cover everything across from startups and VCs to um, kind of how you know some of the larger exchanges are run, and then also um, as my story that we'll discuss a little bit later, um, kind of how big tech and, and the traditional markets intersect with uh, with crypto and, and these uh, these new markets. So yeah.
2: Uh, well, actually, Chris, I w- I want you to tee it off, but I think sure. because of that, could we start broad before we get to that story? Yeah. Um, like broadly in terms of crypto winter, NFT stuff.
0: like yeah, I feel like um, maybe, maybe Brian, what you're saying is for yeah. like one state of play, like where are we kind of at with, you know, crypto, uh, you know, generally, how's that market? Second, you know, how is NFT fairing or NFTs faring relative to the crypto market? And then how does that all kind of come together in terms of the things that are going on with app store and app store policy and antitrust and all that, that'll kind of bring us into that That realm, but I think it's really uh, important to your point to kind of get a sense for how are these different parts of the market actually behaving currently.
1: Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I'm here. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, it's uh, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I think we're definitely in a winter. You know, prices are, you know, crypto tokens are down. Um, You know, there's been a lot of stories out there about how NFT trading is down. Um, and, and so I think that there's been, you know, there was a lot of excitement, um, in the space and there still is, I think among people within it, but, you know, I think it, you know, Bitcoin reached a price almost you know, near $70,000 back in November. Um, it's, um, I haven't checked the latest prices, but somewhere around 20,000, 20, maybe a little 000, higher yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think that, you know, just like, it, I think what's really interesting about this, I mean. Let me let me start maybe broader, you know, if you followed crypto before, there have been um, a number of different winters um, in the past, um, you know, where there's a lot of hype, it gets, you know, a lot of people are introduced to the space, and then there's something that happens and it typically falls off and, and some, you know, the interest kind of goes away for a bit. I think this is a moment in time now where it's really the first winter where you're seeing a broader economic slowdown. Um, and so... I think a lot of people, you know, I think that a lot of tokens have traded like traditional tech stocks. Um, they're down just like everything else is, um, and so, you know, I think what will be interesting to see is how long that lasts, and, and you know, if um, you know, token prices will tick up at some point soon. But I think, think, yeah,
2: yeah, it's interesting. I, I've actually been doing the show long enough, almost five years, that I, I kind of covered the tail end of uh, the the first winter. Where uh almost the first year that I did the show we didn't talk about crypto very much, but um I had been involved in some crypto projects before that so i I can remember like the the sort of i c o boom and then things went away um but what's interesting to me right now uh, let's 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 pick the the n f t space specifically um because like you're you know, lots of people have made the analogy that uh, what crypto is at this point is trading exactly like the Nasdaq or exactly like a tech stock, right? Um, but that's that's a separate thing because you could argue that oh, you know, in the last crypto winner, um, you know, Bitcoin went down to five thousand or four thousand or something. But NFTs, as a specific sort of lens into the crypto, um, the most recent crypto bubble um the it it came on really quick uh and actually chris if you think about it you and i started doing these shows around Mm -hmm. the time when when nft started right oh yeah Uh, i mean
0: last year or yeah uh yes well
2: it was right it would have been not it would have been last year 2021 like in
0: the spring spring. yeah Yeah, no i I remember it very clearly as it was kicking off i mean it was it was actually very exciting
2: so and it felt like that was like the if if i'm sorry i know i'm going long here but the, the narrative was okay there's this new renaissance where we had a winter and then there's these new use cases for crypto and this and these new markets and these new things like that um it like everything else in crypto it seems to have gone quickly <laughs> um
0: and like the boom I, and bust I, is so fast in crypto land it's just like, yeah, you know,
2: do, do you have a sense covering the space? And this is where I wanted to get to at the beginning. I know this was a long question, but, um, no worries. the, when I remember the ICO boom, uh, ending and people just kind of left the space. Right. Um, but I still see on Twitter, NFT folks still talking about um, holding their bags and, and believing in things like, as much as I made fun of it, Walmart or, or whoever, or like a lot of these big brands getting into the NFT space. Do you get the sense that the winter is people are leaving, or are people still creating and holding and there's still energy in the space, even if the trading volume and, and all that stuff has, has gone down?
1: I do. I think that this is a little bit different um, just because I think you've had so many either, you know, traditional companies, you know, whether that's, um, you know, maybe some of the bigger banks or some of the traditional, you know, financial institutions, if we're talking about crypto, and then even some of the bigger brands who have announced, um, you know, NFT or some kind of web free initiative. Um, and I haven't seen a lot of, you know, I think that some maybe have kind of dialed down, you know, their, their marketing about it or, have, you know, it's definitely not talked about as much now. But I think you've had, you know, I think a lot of traditional companies or, or financial firms that have made inroads into crypto and Web3. And I think uh, I haven't seen a huge, you know, maybe, maybe it just hasn't happened yet, but I haven't seen a huge departure from that. Um, I, I think that a lot of these firms have invested, you know, a lot of time and, and money and, and efforts into kind of, you know, whether it's NFTs or whether it's, you know, looking at, you know, I don't know starting some digital assets division if you're, you know, a, a private equity firm like. Um, you know, or any of the kind of asset managers, you know, Apollo, they announced they're doing a, a digital assets uh, division, um, you know, Goldman Sachs has even kind of been touting some of their their, their crypto uh, initiatives. Um, and so, I, you know, I think that there's definitely been a slowdown in terms of the hype, but I, I think that, you know, I haven't seen a huge, you know, mass exodus maybe of, of the brands and, and companies that have really gotten into NFTs or um, have gotten into crypto.
2: And 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 I've said before, Chris, I, I, uh, I'll i let you go in a second, but um, that I've said before that at least from what I see on the investing space, the investing into crypto and even NFT and even especially marketplaces has not slowed down at all.
1: That's right. Yeah, I, I think um, th- there's definitely been still, you know, I think a lot of investments in the space. I mean, look, even the summer, um, I think the deal might have happened before the, you know. The crypto winter really set in and there were these bigger blow ups with, you know, three hours capital and some of the crypto lenders. Um, but Magic Eden, which is a, an NFT marketplace uh, based on Solana, um, you know, they got, um, you know, I think it was a hundred fifty plus million dollar deal, I think series A or series B round valued at close to two billion dollars. Um, this was announced in May or June. And so there's still, I think, a lot of money. Certainly a lot of dry powder among the VCs, um, and I think a lot of even NFT startups are still getting, you know, some funding.
0: I guess one question, you know, from your vantage point is the the degree to which there might be a level of sophistication uh, that might be setting in. Um, and, And I think one of the things that is useful for us to do is to differentiate between kind of some of the underlying technologies that are still very promising, very exciting, and that warrant that level of investment. Versus some of the earlier applications and use cases, which were you know pretty accessible, but as a result of their accessibility, also drove just a ton of you know both you know froth and excitement, but also uh, scams and you know people like losing their money you know et cetera. I think what what I'm right. trying to sort of, and I think this will sort of tee us up for for the next part of the conversation, is to think about this you know kind of like a lot of the froth that that occurred. It was people exciting. It, were people excited, sort of, you know, about either making money, uh, you know, blowing their stimulus checks on these new asset classes? All that money kind of went away. These are unsophisticated, you know, folks. So there's that half of the market um, where a lot of the hype was. And then there's the folks who are building things that are uh, thinking about like the long term potential for these technologies to really change or disrupt the hegemony of the, the sort of de facto gatekeepers in the marketplace, right? So if, if you are, you know, what is it? Chaos is a ladder. If you are a VC, then actually it's really good for people to keep building things and to create create new markets and new opportunities. Um, Whereas stagnation, especially when it comes to, you know, the big kind of tech incumbents is actually bad for you. They make everything more expensive. And so um, oxygenating the marketplace provides more opportunities for the startups that VCs tend to invest in to actually grow and then have their own exits and their own success. So I'm curious to what degree you're seeing that level of, of maturation in the marketplace actually occur, or if we're still kind of in very, very early innings and we still got uh, several years to go before we're seeing the real kind of whether it's industrial or, or marketplace applications of this stuff.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I I think it is still early innings for a lot of this. I mean, I think, you know, crypto has been around since, you know, 2008 was when the, the, you know, the Bitcoin white paper came out. Um, You know, I think that that, the payments aspect of that, I think, is, you know, maturing faster. But NFTs, you know, I think is something that really, you know, as you mentioned before, really only sprung up last year as a, I mean, it's been, they've been around for a little bit longer, but I think the popularity of it really only, um, increased, um, you know, to a, to an extent where the general public was really viewing this and, and interested in it last year. Um, and so I think it really is just very, very early for that. I mean, I think that the, probably the easiest, you know, or, I, mean, I don't know, I, you know, my crystal ball just works as probably as well as yours um, to kind of look at how some of these things will will look going forward. But you know, I think the easiest application to think about going forward is something like gaming, where you know you have um, you know NFTs that you can you know or you know that you can use you know in multiple different games that are open source or decentralized. So, know, so hold on,
0: let me let me pause it. you there because yeah, like that's, that's and I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think it's sure. it's one of those use cases that is brought up a lot. And it feels more speculative than real. Yeah. In other words, like, are there major game platforms, uh, you know, that are working on that type of interoperability and, you know, like where you could take a skin from Fortnite, you know, into call of duty or something, let's say, it just, it feels like those use cases are easy to imagine, but they haven't materialized because maybe they don't actually make sense, you know, in a marketplace perspective.
1: That's totally right. I, they have not materialized yet, I don't think. And I think the, one of the biggest complaints about blockchain gaming right now is that just they're not very good games. And I think people haven't really, um, you know, enjoyed playing them or they're, or they're too complicated to understand. Um, and so I do think it really is early innings for that. I think there hasn't been a game that, you know, has really, you know, taken off. Um, you know, I think people talk about like, you know, things like Axie Infinity. Um, but I don't think it's, it's taken off to the essential, you know, that, you know, companies like, you know, Activision or, or like this, not, not Microsoft, or, or some of the bigger game developers are really investing a lot of their time. And I mean, Microsoft even said that they're, you know, I think shutting down or, or not pursuing the NFT initiatives that they had, you know, potentially said before. Um, and And so I think that they're, you know, I don't think we really have seen a game yet where that application is, but I agree that it's something that's usually, you know, said that this could, you know, maybe this could work, but we haven't seen it yet.
0: So I have one more question on this, and then we'll we'll get into the I think the second half of the the uh, story, and we'll bring art up. Um, like, I guess the other thing that I'm curious, and, I, and again, maybe this is like too much you know crystal balling, but um, to what degree do does the kind of art application of NFTs stand to persist? I guess I guess like you know is it something that you know because of the alignment of artificial scarcity and you know, digital art, which previously was very hard to, I mean, you could monetize it and there were attempts to control it through DRM and, um, you know, watermarking and stuff like that. There's like an elegance to mm-hmm. ha- to applying NFT technology to um, art. But it, again, it sort of feels like this facile ready-made use case, obviously it took many years to, to discover and to come to, um, for crypto, but that long-term, we may look back on that period, you know, as kind of like... Uh, trying to think of good technology that was like revolutionary for like five seconds and then was like oh that that was actually not that interesting um you know what i mean like where yeah do we think that there's actually a lot more growth maybe this is my question a lot more growth to be had in selling specifically types of digital artwork as nfts in the broader marketplace beyond the whatever it's like i think openc had between one and five million users obviously that's right. a very small subset of the overall internet user base so right what do you think about that in terms of where the market's at
1: i think what a lot of people who tout nfts um as this real potential use case going forward you know it's less about the actual nft itself and i think more about the, like you know building a community and some kind of membership um yeah, yeah. And, and i think that i think that, that's, that some extent that makes sense i think you know if if you need some kind of you know token or nft to be part of some club where you're there are some benefits that are you know not just owning um, you know a line of code that has a is associated with the JPEG image you know that I could see that I, again I don't know if we're, we're at the point where that is so wide, you know widespread or, or wide scale that that is you know something that everyone is kind of clamoring for but you know I think that that's the reason why there are these you know collections of NFTs you know I think you know Ford Ape is trying to do a lot of this you know obviously like it's so you know expensive for, for anybody. To really get in there but, right. but i think that right. that's really i think the application where there's got to be something connected to it it's i don't think on its own it, i mean because anybody can put anything you know um in code as a, as a you know a jpeg or and say that this is you know one of the you know one of a kind nft but it really doesn't have any value i think unless there's some kind of you know
2: Ultra something else or something.
1: yeah exactly yeah. exactly mm-hmm. being part of some group or some shared experience um or some membership club where you know there's there's a, there's an interest beyond just the actual physical, you know, single token.
0: Okay. So, so let's, let's get into your story then, because the sure. the, the real sort of nexus for how we kind of came together uh, and why, why we have you on is to talk about this connection between uh, NFTs, selling of NFTs uh, and the app store and policies that maybe be, um, you know, not super friendly to uh, NFT app builders or you know website makers. You've talked to a number of those developers, um, and part of the reason why I was asking, you know, is there a larger audience or market potential for NFTs? Is because one very direct way, of course, of increasing your market size would be to sell through apps in the app store. Um, so, why don't you sort of walk us through both what you've you know discovered and found, and where the app store yep. policies sit with regards to NFTs.
1: Sure. Yeah. Happened to. Um, And so, yeah. So, you know, did the story um, last week uh, about how, um, you know, the App Store policies that the way that they're written and the way that Apple has, has, you know, worked with some of these NFT startups that have tried to list certain features within their apps that are downloaded to the App Store. um, Apple is insisting that NFTs uh, fall under its in-app purchases policies. So, um, you know, if you're not familiar with kind of the ongoing you know, case between Epic Games and Apple, it it has to do with the in-app purchases where Apple is trying to take up to a 30%, uh, or they they insist that they take up to a 30% um, fee on transactions that are done through in-app purchases. And it often, you know, for any kind of digital goods um, or, um, you know, something like Kindle eBooks, or, you know, in the case of Fortnite, like if you're buying skins or like in-game tokens, that has to be done through um, in-app purchases. And so what? And and, and let me let me clarify this because
2: I I I think it's interesting. Like you can go on the Amazon app right now and buy toilet paper, and you don't have to give thirty percent to Apple. But if you go on the Audible app, and maybe they maybe they cut out Audible as a a carve out because they carved out like like
0: Netflix. No, no, you you can't you can't actually an Audible. So a better example would be to go to Roblox and buy toilet paper in Roblox, and you have to pay thirty percent on that. (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's digital goods, not physical. So, you know, if I'm on Amazon and I want to buy toilet paper, you know, cause I'm out, um, I can do that without any kind of 30% fee. Um, but if I want to go buy an ebook, um, on the Kindle app, um, that is, that, that can't be done within the app because Amazon has said, no, you know, Apple's going to charge us a 30% fee on this. So you have to go elsewhere to, to buy that. And so that's the case with NFTs. Um, and Apple has been insisting that, you know, NFTs are digital goods. It's going to be subject to this 30% fee. Um, why that doesn't exactly work for a lot of these startups is, for example, you know, these marketplaces, OpenSea and Magic Eden, they're not, you know, a lot of the cases, a lot of the time, they're not selling those NFTs directly. They're facilitating secondary sales. So peer-to-peer transactions, I'm selling my NFT to Chris, um, and I'm going to use, you know, Chris found that via OpenSea, um, and what OpenSea is going to do is they're going to help facilitate that transaction. You know, they'll, you know you connect, we'll connect our wallets. They'll take through, they'll you know, take care of the transaction, they'll take a cut, I think it's they do a 25 percent fee. Um, and then you know, I'll sell my my, my NFT to Chris. Um, why the, the 30% fee doesn't work is that Apple is insisting that it wants to, and this is what it's told startups, um, like the NFT startups that I spoke to for the story, they want to take 30% of the entire transaction. So if I'm selling, and the and I'll back up too, to NFTs are sold typically in uh, denominations of crypto. Um, but let's just use fiat for now for an example to kind of show why this doesn't work. You know, if I want to sell an NFT to Chris for a hundred dollars, Apple's insisting that it should get $30 of that. But what doesn't work is that it wants to take that $30 from OpenSea. And so what would happen is that OpenSea would have to essentially lose money on every single purchase of an NFT through the app, which is why a lot of these companies don't even bother.
0: That's like, that's so, so interesting. Sorry, Brian. It's just like just that conceptually, like, if, another way to maybe visualize this or imagine this, and, and why this is in some ways like so egregious, and yet where these two models are really in conflict, is exactly as you said. So, OpenSea is just providing kind of like a veneer or sort of a, a, a you know a marketplace front end to you know the blockchain, right? right? So they're sitting right. in between these things and they are facilitating transactions. However, and, and you know it's a little bit confusing, I think, for the end user to sort of understand how their fee works and all the rest. But right. what you're saying is it's almost like you know if I this is this is going to break down a little bit, but you know, if you think about the serial numbers that are on dollar bills or whatever, and, you know, you want to transact for, this is going to break down very quickly. I'm trying to sort of make an analogy between, uh, you know, the serial numbers on dollar bills as being their unique identifier, just like NFTs have a unique identifier that makes them, you know, unique. And so when it comes down to it, that peer-to-peer interaction and transaction would be like, you know, Brian and I sending money back and forth to each other on Cash App or Venmo or something like that. And that's more or less you know, the, the equivalent conceptually of what you're doing when you're transacting in NFTs. You know, there's sort of a, uh, you know, a, a middle person that might be, you know, facilitating the interaction of the transaction. But as you said, it's more of a P2P um, interaction ultimately. And what Apple is but, saying but, but, is, no, but also, it's actually a shop.
2: And fundamentally, I, I hadn't thought of this very deeply before, but um, the App Store does not support crypto payments, right? So if, if, if the fundamental way that I would Purchase your NFT via ETH isn't supported in the App Store. Then, then, then we're even talking about a whole nother layer well, of. So, how. But, but I think I think
0: what, what yeah. Aiden was saying is like if we set aside the the crypto payment method, right, right, as not supported in the App Store, but just the like, and I think this is this is what I'm really kind of like noodling my my I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm a car being wrapped around a telephone pole, but also whatever. So like the. The problem with this is just conceptually: what is an NFT? And this is why I was kind of asking the question: like, is it a, a digital good, or is it like an underlying, you know, a serial number that is being transacted between, you know, t- like two peer-to-peer, um, you know, participants in a marketplace? And that marketplace is facilitating the interaction of those two. I mean, not to go, you know, too off off script or you know, different direction, but I feel like this is similar to what Match Group is talking about when they are getting upset about the App Store um, pricing on dating apps and how they don't want it to pay 30% for facilitating an interaction between two people who want to date, you know, with their subscription service yep. or whatever it is. So it's it's all these ways in which the App Store and, you know, the VIG that it takes uh, may be, you know, just both unfair if not punitive to different types of businesses or business models. And I guess maybe, Aiden, you can opine on this and I suppose this is where, you know, Arthur, if he wants to jump in, can help. Um whether yeah. Apple is ultimately against these types of transactions and these types of digital goods.
1: Right. You know, I think that's a good question. I think it's, a, you know, honestly, don't have the direct answer. They, they might you know, be very opposed to NFTs. They might not be. Um, I, I don't think that this is a specific carve out for NFTs um, based on, you know, the, you know, the interviews I did with some of these startups and the people who have worked with Apple um i think it's really just a broad policy and they're not thinking maybe a lot about some of the different <laughs> um exceptions to this mm-hmm. um you know cuz like you said it, it applies to tinder where you know or or you know some of the dating apps where um they're charging more if you and they're existing you do it through an app purchases if you're you know buying a subscription um within the app i don't know if they're thinking a lot about the the blockchain aspect of this and the fact that these are peer to peer transactions of digital goods um what you know as they see it um that you know, the, 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 economics of it don't really make sense. Um, if
0: you, if you really kind of step back and think about it. Yeah. And I, I guess I, I do want to bring up Brian's point about any, I think, I don't know, Brian, if you have tried to like buy a book on audible, but you know, Spotify just launched their audible or their audiobooks solution. And yeah, yeah, they, they I, take I, I've been the same been a approach subscriber
2: for a long time. So like they, and they just changed that. I think the last year, like if you're a long time subscriber, right. You, you now have download.
0: to buy, uh, yeah. but you have to buy an in-app currency, which exactly. then it's almost you like use, a token. Yeah, that's right. It's like a token or, or basically like an in-game currency. Right. So if you think about it from that perspective, right. it's much easier to wrap your mind around kind of how Apple sees this and how they're trying to apply this blanket policy to any digital good, whatever that might be. Right. So it's a digital right. media object that's instantiated, um, you know, in, in software. And if you're going to buy it through the app store, then Apple gets their 30% they don't really care about the underlying technology that enables it or the fact that it's transmissible kind of you know through the blockchain through any different type of marketplace so that that's right. a, a complication that they're just like we don't really care like you know as we see it it's a digital good so therefore we get our 30 percent cut right.
3: hey so can i uh jump in real quick arthur
0: yes please introduce yourself yes
3: yeah sorry uh, my name is arthur sabinto um i am representing i guess two entities right now so Uh, The reason I'm on the call is I provided some of the quotes and information to Aiden um, because in a past life, I was an iOS engineer now for 12 years or so. And I, on the side, run a one man consultancy, literally called the iOS Consultant, where all I do is App Store policy consulting
4: because no one else does
3: it. And as you all are discussing, there's obviously a need here depending on the type of app that you're trying to build. So, you know, at least once or twice a week, I consult with random companies around the world dealing with the specific app store policy issues and some of the ones i've been coming across recently are in the crypto space on the other side my full-time job is i work for a blockchain infrastructure company called pocket network where i'm in charge of product engineering and one of the comments i wanted to make quick quick comment i wanted to make is on our end we're seeing nothing but upticks in traffic we are, we are the data layer between applications decentralized apps and actual blockchain interactions and we broke uh, i think a billion API requests in our platform this summer. And I think we just hit 1.2 billion today. So Sorry, which,
0: which, winter. which, um, uh, token currency, like your, your network, right? Sure, so sure, sure. Yeah. We're,
3: just... We have a currency as well. It's called P O K T or POCT. Okay, but I don't I, we can get into that a little later, I just, want yeah, to yeah, I, comment yeah. that it is a crypto winter, but, um, we are seeing in, in, increase in traffic on our end and we what? have thousands of applications using our product. So Go what on. I wanted to jump in about here, and I'll talk about pocket later when it makes sense, um, is that for spotify the walls in the apple's app store are cracking so if you've gone through the per, per, um, through um the purchase flow for a, a book an audible style or an, e- uh, an audio book on spotify you can do something now you weren't able to do a year ago because of one of the lawsuits that succeeded which is you can actually you'll get an email from spotify saying hey buy this now buy this book here on the, by clicking this link up until a year ago, you would not be able to, you were not really allowed to contact Apple, uh, I mean, contact your customer through using an email address. If you had their email address on file, if you were trying to have them purchase a good through the mobile app without going through the app store, without going through the in-app purchase flow. So there's headway being made, albeit very, very, very slowly, like, like molasses.
0: So- well, and, and and also one thing that I want to add is that it, just, it is unclear how successful that strategy is from user experience perspective now it may be worth it for the companies to not give apple that 30% in order to recoup the full cost of the digital you know item in this case audiobooks that's being sold you know in terms of the marketplace economics working out you know for example and actually this is the case too even when you use the desktop spotify app if you go to buy an audiobook you'll be essentially redirected to the website or to the web and through the web a, a transaction can occur there and then the item will show up in you know your app of choice, whether that's a, a native desktop app or a native iOS app. Um, there, there's obviously it's a huge amount of friction, and yet so sure. far it seems like you know this is important from a creator perspective or creator economy perspective to make the economics work for both. Well, Amazon is, is its own thing, but Audible um, and Spotify.
3: I, I agree. I 100 percent agree. The UX is horrible. Um, also, the price points are horrible. If you were, I mean, I think I just tested a couple books, and they're the same. Like one book is near equivalent to what you pay for two or two and a half of Audible's credits, so it doesn't really make sense from a financial point of view yet, at least for some of those. Books well, for, I'm glad there it, it, it
0: depends on which side you know the creator economy you're on. in. we would have to like get into a, a, an argument or debate sure, about sure. this, but it, it is important to imagine if, let's say, uh, Spotify were to push that uh, extra price, you know, down on the consumer and increase their prices by thirty percent. Now we're talking about even more money for these books. You're talking, you know, 23, 25, like $30 for, uh, you know, a, a digital audiobook um, to, to recoup the expense that the app store will be charging. And that obviously, if, if you have, if you're struggling with the current prices, that would definitely be like a non-starter.
3: Sure. Sure. I see your point.
0: So Arthur, maybe you can speak a little bit more to some of these, these apps that you have been you've been consulting with, obviously you don't have to like name, you know, names or anything like that, but. In terms of their approach and what they're experiencing and what the conversation is like with Apple, um, you know, can you identify any of the things that Apple is looking at specifically that, you know, they're not fans of that. They see that, you know, there's transactions and they're like, oh no, you can't do that. Or, you know, is it just like, look, you've got NFTs, you want to sell them? We're going to take 30%. That's the deal. So
3: in in general, when people come to me for any, any, there's like two or three specific problems that people come to me for one they that's always, they can't get their app in the store. That's usually the premise. So these are people who've already spent the money to build a project, but are getting they, that last mile is killing them. And it's, you know, it's either one month or upwards of the call I even had this morning was a year of them trying to get an app in the store. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that was a, that was a crypto company, but it was an exchange. It wasn't even an NFT uh, company. It uh, was a completely uh, different story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, the other, so, it's getting in the store. The question is a lot, of, a lot of these products are targeting a smaller user base. So, how do you get your app if you don't target the entire world? So that's one question. The other question is how do I get into the store without paying Apple the 30% cut? That is uh, the most common question. There's traditionally only a couple answers, really.
0: <laughs> I mean, right? It's, it's two a two rational question, there. but it's just, you know, it, it is their store. so
3: Right. So, in my mind, having worked, and again, I've never worked for Apple, I've never worked with the review team. I think the information that I usually give out is the following. Um, When you're dealing with Apple, especially a customer service or an app store reviewer, the way to view the world is as follows. The app store is effective. uh, Sorry, the the app store review guidelines, which essentially explain what you can and cannot do, are a Bible. And the app store reviewers are essentially the most zealous priests in the world that will not stray beyond the word that's written on the guidelines. So when you're dealing with them, the What you're trying to do is effectively find a way to work within their religion. And their religion seems to be, get me my 30% and then we'll be friends. Um, so the question becomes, what do these companies do? For NFT companies, there is not much I can do. A lot of the information I gave to Aiden is what I've seen myself, is you have to build a credit system, uh, like an, a, a game if, gamified credit system around the actual in-app purchase and then use the engineers on your end would build a dynamic pricing mechanism to buy all these things, buy all these items for those credits. So the example, the way I like to think about it is sometimes if you play a mobile game, they have flash sales for like new customers or for 24 hours where they dynamically reprice where they on the back end, they'll reprice certain um, uh, in-app purchases. To be or Sorry, they'll dynamically reprice certain items uh, to be equivalent to a, specific, a different amount of credit. That you can do on the back end because the purchase, uh, the place at which you do the transaction is at the credit level, not at the item level. So that's the way you have to think about NFTs. NFTs are effectively, in Apple's case, digital goods or digital uh, you know, knickknacks that you purchase with the credits and Apple gets its cut on the credits.
2: Okay, it's time to commit.
4: I could stay here forever.
0: Carvana, where car buying meets comfort, meets convenience. Download the app or visit carvana.com today. There's no so, so other way around it. Let me uh, let me in bring yeah. Let me bring in Aiden and you know, in your reporting, is this something that you've seen, you know, a lot of these other NFT, you know, startups, app builders considering? Are they willing to do that? Or is that where this really breaks down for them just because, you know, from an economic perspective, either it's not advantage or enough or it doesn't actually make their their um, business model work.
1: I think one of. So yeah. So so in my reporting, you know, one other startup talked about a similar model where, you know, they're going to have in-app tokens or rather in-app currencies. I think when you bring in token, it's a little bit different. But, yeah, in-app currencies um, that you know, you pay for from the company. And then I, I think the way Arthur described actually described to me when we were chatting before um, is the way to think about this is you know let's say that you want to buy um, you know you want to buy crypto or NFTs from Coinbase you know you do that you know you connect a wallet you buy it they take care of a lot of the back end solution this kind of in app currency solution to you know being able to sell NFTs within an app is kind of the same thing with just one extra layer where you're buying the tokens from the startup you know, or these in app currencies rather um, and then you know you can use those to then buy nfts and that that work is also done on the back end by uh, you know by the company and, hold,
0: um, hold so, on let me, let me pause you there. that i just want to clarify because obviously yes, like please. tokens often <laughs> are
1: Well, it's it, it,
0: it's complicated but i think this bears clarification which is that obviously tokens typically are thought of you know as, as sort of crypto tokens what I'm, right. i i guess what i want to clarify with you is whether these are just in app you know fungible tokens essentially that are non non unique obviously not in the blockchain but that right. are a layer Kind Of a of, you know, just exactly as Audible and Spotify have approached this with their audiobooks. Essentially, you buy the in-app per- uh, currency, you know, essentially they're, they're tokens that are held in a kind of digital escrow at the company. And when you want to spend it, you spend from that you know, collection of your tokens. Uh, but those tokens are not necessarily redeemable for cash or able to be you know, transferred or converted into other crypto. That's
1: that's exactly right. It, okay. It's it's not it's a non-crypto. Like in-app right, so that, like that's robots, the, that's the
0: clarification that I want. Okay, perfect. Yes, yep,
1: continue. Exactly. Um, so, so that's I think where you know some some startups have looked at this. I, I think others just don't really see the need for it. I think at this point, uh, you know, I think anybody who wants an NFT or, or wants to be part of this, I think, can go and do that. Um, you know, the CEO of Rarible, which is an NFT marketplace, um, he spoke to me for this story. He said that 30% of their traffic comes from mobile browsers. And so they have an NFT app. It's just to browse, view, um, and, and look at different NFTs. You can't buy and sell within it. Um, but if users do want to buy an NFT, you know, maybe you have the app, maybe you see something, you can then go to a mobile browser, You know, open up Safari on your iPhone, um, or go to your desktop and, uh, and connect your wallet and then buy it. Um, and he was saying that 30% of that traffic does come from mobile. So people are going on Safari on their phones and buying it. Wait wait so,
0: so 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 this is Alexi yeah, Alexi uh, Fallon right from from yeah, that's correct. Um, so uh, yeah, I just want to explain this because I think also very important. Like the process yeah. of both you know buying and transacting crypto on a on a mobile device, like just it, it sucks. Um, You know, every now and then I'll try to go through MetaMask and their browser and it's, you know, I know that there are other apps out there that are also working in the space, but it's, you know, it is not nearly as smooth as Apple Pay, as you might expect, given that Apple Pay is built into the operating system.
2: But I thought that that's the promise of Web3, Chris, (laughs) that everyone has a wallet that's very easy to use.
0: I think the promise of of Web3 is to have, uh, you know, a substantial amount of friction that makes you really appreciate the the centralized, you know, products that exist. But we digress. Uh, My my, my question and point, though, is, you know... uh, Alexei is making a business decision to not go down the Apple Store or the App Store path to transact or to sell NFTs in the Rarible app. And my question is if 30% of his traffic is coming from a mobile device, mm-hmm. and what I think you were going to say was how much of, of that 30% of his traffic then actually goes through and completes a transaction in a mobile browser? Was that also 30%? So is that 30% of 30% or? What percentage do you think actually completes a transaction on on the mobile browser?
1: I, I'm not sure. Um, okay, I, you know that's not like something I was able to confirm, but okay. I, I do think that it kind of does underscore the point that you know this is still largely a. I mean, there is some traffic on the mobile, obviously, but you know, even looking at you know that number, seventy percent still doing this on desktop, and so right. I think largely crypto and, and transactions, it's largely a desktop phenomenon, and so. Um, you know, I think just talking to Alexi and some other founders, you know, I think Sidney Zhang at, um, at Magic Eden, you know, the co-founder and chief technology officer there. Um, he said that they had didn't even consider offering, buying and selling of NFTs in mm. the app just because of the Apple commissions. Mm. Um, and, you know, it just was going to be another headache that they didn't need to deal with. And I think they were like, you know, most people do this on desktop right now anyway. And so we're probably just going to focus on that. So, if I can mean, chime in here.
0: Yeah, it's, just, it's wild. Just to, like, you know, just to point out, like 30% of your traffic comes from mobile, and yet you just decide not to sell it. Like, imagine if Amazon didn't allow you to buy toilet paper, Brian's toilet paper, you know, on the mobile app. Like,
2: what? Yeah, but, but Chris, what's even more wild about that is what is a, an average website or an average internet service? What percentage of it is mobile, right? It's yeah. got to be over 50%. So, in the Web3 space, you're already sort of circumscribed. Because no, I, I know. It's, just, it,
0: it's sort of like, it's, it's also yeah. like cause and effect, right? The thing that we don't know is if Apple were more, um, you know, like helpful when it comes to these NFT transactions, let's say, in uh, apps that were that's what you know, it, that's
2: distributed exactly through the what App Store, saying.
0: would his traffic be higher on mobile? And would there also be higher transaction volumes? Now, maybe it's okay right now. It's, you know, mostly, as, as you said, a desktop phenomenon. But I do wonder how much larger the market could actually be if Apple weren't sort of, you know, putting a big boot in front of, you know, sort of like the onslaught of this potential, you know, traffic.
1: I think that's the question. I think that, you know, if there is another, you know, run up to a bull market, you know, and if there's a lot more interest in this, you know, is that going to be a real inhibitor of something like NFTs where people, you know, as you mentioned, kind of the process of connecting a wallet on a mobile browser, you know, just is not as seamless as using something like Apple Pay. Right. Could, could the user who's maybe just, you know, somewhat curious in this new technology or, you know, owning some kind of digital asset, you know, runs into that
0: problem and then just doesn't go through with it? Yeah. Arthur, so, you wanted to jump in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So
3: I think you were all kind of hinting at it, but you didn't say it. Mm-hmm. The only real way to be successful in the um, in the mobile space as an NFT company is to build a wallet. And the only company that's done it is Coinbase. Coinbase has their Coinbase wallet, they have a browser built into it, you can go to nft.coinbase.com from that wallet and then it will link up, I'm pretty sure, with the Coinbase wallet app, just like other apps link up with, just like when you try to do a purchase within the MetaMask browser, which is like the catch-all browser. Wait, what
0: about like Glow Um, and like other apps? How are those not the same thing?
3: Oh. which one is Glow? sorry.
0: <laughs> uh, it's fine. I, I, it's, it's hard for me to imagine that Coinbase is the only one. I think there's Glow, there's MetaMask. There's no, yeah, MetaMass, I'm sure there are know, but,
3: okay. no, no, there's, no, 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 I'm saying Coinbase, uh, Coinbase I'm is an exchange in a set uh, okay, with its own I, NFT platform. Right? Got it. So okay. So what, what, what we're saying here is if Magic Eden or OpenSea had built a wallet and then built a browser in there, rather than a native mobile experience, they would have a browser-based mobile experience, which okay, is what MetaMask offers. That Right? So you become wallet companies. but that you need to a stand up in a, a different engineering team to take care of that and i don't think anyone really wants to do that i don't know if the i don't know if the roi in that is big enough because that goes back to the original question yeah i mean what like what, what's wild is
0: you almost like end up having to reinvent and, and and maybe this is apple's point but almost like have to reinvent the whole artifice of the app store in order to essentially transact with yourself through an app that you release in the app store because you now you have your own exchange as well as the platform for distributing or listing NFTs. So it's all kind of like in-house at that point. But, you know, Coinbase is one of the few companies probably that one, you know, has the the investment and in two has the, at least, you know, until recently, you know, enough engineers to build all sides of the marketplace um, in a way that, you know, could all put, could possibly compete. I mean, nonetheless, like, so one of the things, uh, actually... I want to pause for a second though. I know either you're more of an expert on the iOS side of things, but I just want to bring up the other marketplaces, uh, the other app marketplace that that do exist out there and you did talk to some folks that um, are, I I suppose, maybe publishing into the Google play store and Google as, as at least I understand from your reporting has been a lot more solicitous of, or at least supportive of, or maybe not blocking uh, of NFT apps. Can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Yeah, sure. Definitely. Um. I think that people, um, you know, kind of looking at between Apple and Google, um, I think just the the folks that I spoke to just said that it was much easier to work with Google. You know, I think there was one example where um, it took maybe months to get an app listed on the App Store with Apple versus a week with Google. And they're just much easier to work with them when it comes to, um, you know, making changes to the app, um, having updates, and even that, you know, that first listing on the app, I think it's just much... has been much easier with Google. Um, I, I do think, though, it is, it is important to point out, you know, that both do have, you know, the fees um, and app purchases, and so you know, Google does also take up to a thirty percent fee. Um, but from you know, just the startups that I spoke to, it was just much easier to work with Google compared to Apple.
2: Well, and I've said a thousand times, I don't understand why Google doesn't do things that Apple won't do, <laughs> to, just to differentiate themselves. Which is kind of where the spirit of this question is going to come from. It, it, this discussion has made me realize, like, oh my God, look at how far or how big the crypto space is. And yet, there is no native support on any of the mobile platforms in the sense that what would, just just go with this thought experiment with me. What if tomorrow Android... Uh, had its own native wallet, or Apple. Mm. This will never happen, it seems like. It seems like this is an impossibility. But if Apple had an event and they said, by the way, we're going to support crypto natively with our own wallet, with all this stuff, we're going to integrate blockchain, blah, 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 blah. Right. Like The fact that that seems impossible has made me realize, oh my god, look at <laughs> look, look at where we are, and that's not happened. And then that hasn't happened, and because it's probably not going to happen, isn't that why we are where we are? Hmm. Well, I think Potentially. the
3: problem there is the, how you know. just to, going down that line of thought, I'm sorry to interrupt, is sure, you could definitely do that, and you could definitely store the keys in the secure enclave, which is probably what would end up happening is, but one mm-hmm. of the like initial issues is which derivation mechanism are you going to use to generate your keys? There's a lot that exists. How are you going to be able to recover it if you lose your iPhone, right, you could do it through iCloud if you turn that on. But what if you change to Android and this and that? You'd have to have some standards in place and not really in place yet to do this like they are with other protocols, right? There's a, The whole thing about blockchains is they're all protocols. No one has really won out. There's obviously some clear winners at the moment if you were to look at things either by market cap or by usage or by volume or by total
2: volume block. Right, and if somebody picked, picked one of the protocols that would be picking a winner, that would be exactly crazy, yeah. Well, so, yeah, so I two, think it's more waiting it out a little two, bit
0: because it's things. so wild. Um, one, I, I, I pinned a tweet to um, the Solana like mobile phone, which is called Saga and might be, you know, Brian's sort of directionally what you're talking about. But I also brought up, I think it's Nick, although your display name is got um, You pointed out something uh, in, in a reply that I thought was pretty interesting. Do you want to just share what you noticed uh, or maybe you had this experience yourself?
4: Yeah, sure. Sure, so actually first uh, inter-
0: introduce tried- yourself.
4: Introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. So I'm Nick. I'm the co-founder of Basement. And basically we're building tools for developers to get data off chain. And now we're building this little app which is basically either scan but uh, on mobile, so usable for normal people, not just developers. Uh, and yesterday we tried to submit our app to TestFlight. Uh, and I got into this huge fight with like App Store Review because they said, look a user can view their own wallet, so basically you're you're displaying previously bought content. Um, and you have to have an in-app purchase for that. So I brought up like this reader guideline, like, look, newspapers can do this, everyone can do this, wallets can do this, why can't we do it? And I said, we don't really care what you think about the reader app guideline, you're not a reader app, uh, make it available to the app, sorry. Got uh, it. Okay, well, so so the question there is, because I haven't heard of this one yet, right? Because there's all these other
3: apps. that Yeah, I pinned, I pinned the tweet that, um,
0: that Nick uh, okay. shared with us, so you can take a look at that. Yeah,
3: yeah I'll take a look. Um, so, yeah, you want me to read out loud so everyone... <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, verbatim. All
3: right, so so for Nick, it says, uh, from the App Store review team, um, hello, thank you for your response. Regardless of whether you consider your app to be a reader app or not, If it is allowing users to view or access previously purchased NFTs and is considered to be allowing access to previously purchased digital content, and as such, this content must be offered within the app via in-app purchases. Otherwise, access to digital content must be removed from the app. Once the appropriate revisions have been made, please resubmit your revised binary for review. So that begs the question, what else are you doing in there? Because there are apps like Zarian and, uh, but hell, even Coinbase and MetaMask and all the other wallets, Rainbow they let you view your NFTs. Yeah. Some of them do it in a beautiful fashion. So what else do you have in there that is having Apple like,
4: peak, peak, you know, higher, you or, know or, or do you have something stuff?
0: else in there that they're yeah. considering uh, yeah, to be digital
4: goods? Yeah, so I, I actually like went back and forth with them and they sent me a screenshot of the specific screen. That was a problem. And, uh, and it was like, uh, follow your own wallet. And they considered that to be like sort of an, uh, uh, an account. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I brought up like a rainbow serial uh, OpenSea, wearable, they all allow you to add right. your own wallet to see what's happening there. Yep. Uh, and actually, they got back to me with like, um, Yeah, you to get all them." Kicked out the store. So we can start an investigation to that, and I was like, "No." Yeah. So really Hi. weird. I'll just jump into. I think you know. I think that you
1: know. One of you know maybe what this highlights a little bit um, is something that I that I did hear from some folks that I spoke to that you know maybe. I'm, I'm not sure if it ended up in the final story, but you know there is some inconsistency among who you know you work with, and so if you submit an app, you know you might be dealing with a you know a worker at Apple um, that's different than another NFT startup that's maybe similar to your product or, or your business, um, and, and there might be different ways that they are dealing with that and interpreting some of these policies. Um, and I think it, it you know one of the things I just want to point out too is you know from my understanding. And, you know, based on the conversations that I had, there's not a specific policy about NFTs. It's, it's how Apple and its employees are uh, interpreting the policies that they have for digital goods. Um, and so, you know, the, the the experience of working with, you know, one employee who's reviewing an app might be different than someone else.
0: Yeah. And I mean, to that point, like there are f- over 500 reviewers, right? So, you know, Correct. although there, there might be, you know, Canon in the App Store guidelines and there may be a very strong sect of the religious who follow it you know, and it is, you know, the book of Steve, so to speak, I mean, there is still going to be some variation and in, in interpretation based on, you know, maybe the familiarity of the reviewer or based on, you know, how they're feeling that day and what have you, but it is very interesting. and I think this is the slippery slope and why that sort of, you know, the canon of uh, the App Store guidelines is so important is because with, what is it, 2 million, some, like whatever, some large number of multi-millions of apps in the App Store, as you know, Arthur, your business is helping people to one, sort of interpret, and then two, kind of work around or work with those guidelines to be able to get their apps into the store. So the consistency is very important. And I think what Nick is bringing up is it raises a, an incredibly interesting and, and complex question, because if I can follow my own you know, profile in one of these NFT viewer apps, and that suddenly turns that app into viewing digital content, which I could have bought through the app store, then that means that that whole swath of apps that are similar will have to be rejected. And that's, I think, where this tension uh, and you know, the rubber really meets the road. Um, okay, we've got to we've got to come come to a close here. Um, I guess you know in, any any parting thoughts or any any sort of like next steps? What you're expecting? Are do you think this is going to bubble up uh, in terms of a, a broader conversation and question about NFTs in the app store and crypto in general? Is that sort of like what's happening here, or do you think this is just kind of like you know, like is there something new and something we should be watching for in the coming weeks and months? I really I don't
1: see. know. It's, go ahead, oh, sorry, go Arthur. Go ahead. Do you no, go ahead? you first. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't think we know. I, I think a lot of it is, um, you know, I, I think, as I mentioned before, and as we talked about, you know, a lot of this is still very much early innings. Um, I, I do think, though, you know, kind of thinking about Apple and, and even Google, you know, if this space continues to, you know, have the the, the same, you know, level of hype or, or you know, excitement from people, um, you know, I, I, I don't think, I, I think it totally makes sense for, you know, them to maybe look, at how they can get into it, and how they can make money from it um, I, I think uh, that, that that's one thing, and the other thing I just want to mention too, I think you know maybe going back to Brian, you know your kind of question about um, you know how how to think about maybe some of these you know why has this happened yet, or, or why aren't apple and Google you know paving the way for for some of these things is that i think a lot of this goes kind of maybe you know against what apple has always stood for i mean they, they you know they, they started as this really closed system and really kind of touting that um and this maybe goes against what they you know are all about and kind of having um their own hardware and their closed software and, and all that and so you know it just kind of maybe maybe ending with a question mark about what's coming next but um you know i'm not sure i think we'll watch we'll to for the wait and see
3: so my my two cents here is my crystal ball is as good as anyone else's here. Mm-hmm. I think I I think it's too early for them to really come to an answer here because I mean they look at everything else that they've done they've they've starting to do things no one ever thought they would like giving Amazon or giving Amazon's Audible product the ability to use credits within within the actual app right that was a huge win and I thought I was shocked that that was going to happen but that took what like a decade same so. Yeah, the other thing is they, you know, they helped develop the USB-C, um, what's it called, standard, but they haven't really been using it on their flagship device yet. Um, obviously, I'm assuming they're just trying to milk it as much as they can until, like, in the European yes. Now in Yes, yes. So, so the, the the last thing here is there's a, there's standards have not been, like, and no standard has won yet. If you were to ask me, from my experience, based on all the information I have from, you know, the dashboards and data that we have at Pocket Network. I think Ethereum is going to win. I think all the EV because it has the virtual machine, the EVM. And there's a lot of things that work with EVMs. Like Avalanche, for instance, is a, um, is a blockchain network that is uh, really big, has a like, really fast finality, meaning they, the transactions complete under a second. And they have a smart contract chain that works called the C-chain that works with Ethereum. It's, like, it's portable.
1: Like, uh, things are
3: interoperable. There are other projects that are doing the same thing. All of the interesting stuff going on is on Layer 2s and on – which are on EVMs or EVMs themselves. So if we were to go back to what is Apple going to do, I think they're just waiting for things to shake out. And if I am reading the tea leaves the right way, I personally believe that Ethereum or EVMs are going to win. And then it's just what are the standards – the UX standards about generating a wallet keys and uh, whatever else. Uh, what are the ones that are going to win out, and what is going to be the proper way to move forward, um, or is Apple just going to support all of them um, out of the gate? I don't know, but I think that is still. I think it'll be decided this decade. I just don't think it's going to be the first half of the decade.
2: Cool.
0: Thank um, you, Brian.
2: Yes, but yes. So I we need to we need to shift topics uh, before we close the show. But uh, let's go in order, reverse order, real quick. Uh, uh, go to um, if there's anything you want us to uh, know or uh, get in touch. Uh, you go first, and, and then we'll go in reverse chronological
0: links, etc. Mm-hmm.
2: Links, yes. And go to's not there. So then, Arthur, how about you? Sure.
3: Um, yeah, I work for a web three decentralized company known as Pocket Network. We offer decentralized uh, blockchain access. We have got uh, 27,000 notes. So if you are ever building a decentralized application or any application that needs to just access data on chain from 40 plus different blockchains, we have a very generous free tier and a very generous pay tier. So I would just go to POKT.network. And if you want to find me, it's um, I'm sure it'll be in your show notes, but it's A-R-T-S-A-B-I-N-T-S-E-V on any social platform under the sun. You
2: can't assume it'll be in the show notes because I forget all that <laughs> shit. Like that. Okay.
0: But it's good uh, that you so. it out.
2: Yes. Yes, Aiden, go ahead.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the time. It was great to chat about this. Um, uh, my work is all right now at, at theinformation.com. dot um, And if you have any follow ups or, or want to reach out to me about you know any story ideas you have or, or just um, yeah anything, uh, Aiden at theinformation a i d a n at theinformation.com
2: right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Awesome. Wonderful. Thanks, everyone, for coming on. And by the way, you can stick around. Uh, I'll keep you on stage if you're interested in these topics. But uh, Chris and I are going to hit two more things uh, before we go tonight. Um, Chris, the first one is... I'm going to step on, I guess, what I would have talked about tomorrow, but tomorrow's a Friday show, so we have the long reads anyway. Uh, Google shutting down Stadia. And, you know, I Uh I think I said this week or last week that I don't know how much snark is left (laughs) to do about Google sunsetting things, except for this is the most important one, because Uh I'm pretty sure that. I framed the launch of Stadia in this way where it is. Yes. You should really go back
0: and get that recording, by the way, but go ahead.
2: If you shut down shit all the time, who's going to believe you? And so one of the reasons why people from day one were like, Stadia is not going to last is because the gaming industry didn't believe that Google was going
0: to... Right. It's like, why would we bet on you when you're track record is to just like pull the plug, you know, after you're not getting, you know, Google scale, search scale adoption, like why switch, you know, why make that investment?
2: Yeah. So there's that, that's the point that I would have made if I was gonna, you know, do a rant on a segment tomorrow. But the, the second thing I would say is I also heard constantly that one of the reasons that Google did Stadia, aside from the fact that everyone was doing similar things was that it justified their cloud computing business, in the sense that like yeah. it, it, it 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 proves it out. It's a proof of concept. It also, um, you know, it, I know it's both sides of the same company, but it, it does provide a P and L uh, for their cloud computing uh, division and things like that. Yeah. Oh no, go ahead. But I uh, yeah,
0: go ahead. So I, I guess, like, I, I want to build on that because I have, I have my own little, you know, conspiracy theory brewing, which, you know, you always know I have, um, which is that, you know, increasingly, you know, as Apple, and I'm, I'm talking about Apple, but this applies to any, you know, cloud company, especially that has, like, hardware devices um, and, and charges largely for storage, you know, is that over time, these devices are getting more and more powerful, which on the one hand, like, is great. It actually creates, you know, a better experience, but, you know. The conspiracy would be that Apple invented Live Photos to make the photos that you you know store in your device take up more space, which means that you have to upgrade more often, and or you have to convert to uh, an iCloud paying member in order to store all this stuff. So essentially, they have figured out you know the economics where it just makes sense to store everybody's everything because they can do it for you know pennies on the dollar. And it ultimately, like, drives their business, you know, more effectively. And so when it comes to Stadia, you know, I do think that there is an element of this where, you know, yeah, okay, maybe you want to build a gaming platform, but it also really increases your drive to make your hardware more efficient. I mean, they were streaming games. You know, they were, they're doing what, what, what effectively yeah. I think Netflix is doing and what others are doing. But,
2: by the way, I was a customer. Oh, I, I how, was used it? how was it?
0: How was it? Was it, great. it was Interesting. great. It Huh. Huh. What, like, why? Like, what? I mean, obviously um, there it did the games, numbers, but there
2: were certain games that, uh, were on Xbox that I, I'm a PlayStation. And, Sorry, that, that's uh,
0: not what I mean. I don't mean, why, why did you play? Oh. I mean, like, you know, why did they shut it down if it was oh, good? Okay. How, like, yeah. how do they not just have, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like if they're going to be selling Android devices, they need gaming. Like Apple arcade feels like a necessary part of the but app Chris, store. Like, Chris, the point, <laughs> that's the other, tell thing. me, tell me, <laughs> what am I missing? How do you really believe,
2: what, what do you think that they're, um, uh, conviction is in their hardware business. <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? I, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I, because like, look, they're, they're, they're going to do the, um, pixel event. I think it's next week. Yeah. Um, it, like, and, and the, the pixels are fantastic. If I was in the Android ecosystem, I'd only have a pixel. Of
0: course.
2: Right. Yeah. But they're not lighting the world on fire. Right. Right. Um,
0: I just, like, I, like, there's, like, the visuals are so, like, I'm just thinking from, like, a marketing perspective, you know? Like, games are the thing that just break down barriers and get people, like, excited about devices. I mean, Facebook did it first with, you know, Farmville. That was, like, one of the big breakout moments for social media.
2: This is my larger, this is my larger point. Yeah, go ahead. And uh, you've been listening long enough, you know, that I've also... Said before, I've been like a chicken little. Like Google's in trouble, you
0: know. <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> but Google's never in trouble. But maybe their their gaming efforts were like yeah.
2: okay. What the, the narrative for Amazon is cloud and e yep. commerce, consumer e commerce, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, cloud but, is even bigger than e commerce at this point. But yeah,
2: uh-huh. the the narrative for Apple is consumer, 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 hardware and software and services. Yeah, the narrative for Facebook for better or worse, hey, no, Meta. It's social. It's only worse. And, and having friends. meetings in, it used to be about universe.
0: friends. Now it's now it's like how can we build a mall faster than anybody else? You know.
2: Who else? Who else have we got? Who am I not thinking of right now?
0: Um, uh, Microsoft.
2: Oh, Microsoft is is, is the enterprise and, and productivity <laughs> right. and cloud and, and and by the way and cloud
0: right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Okay. What's the narrative for Google? Does Google know?
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, no, I mean, it's unfortunate when you have such good product market fit so early in your career that everything else obviously just is subservient to that, that one higher thing. And that one higher thing is just like, Hey, I have a question about something, you know, show me the way.
2: Let me tell you a story that (laughs) I I, I haven't been able to to fit into the show. Remember how I I did that um, TV show? I I went into Manhattan to record that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever happened with that? It's just like going to the yeah. Oh, no. It's It's happening?
2: it's, It's how they always, oh, yeah. You'll see it on the History Channel or something. Anytime huh. someone does a, a documentary about the '90s, they call me to talk about the internet stuff. you
0: <laughs> um, the only one who remembers.
2: I go into the studio and I talk for three hours, and they use three seconds of it. But yeah. um, they, they, one of the things that they, you know, they always ask about, like AOL and the dial-up. And, sorry, sorry. And, I just and, have
0: and, on the hashtags, 15th anniversary, which was this year, mm, I did like mm-hmm. these. I did like three or four 15-minute interviews. And literally in all of, in all yeah. the clips they showed, yeah. I was I was B-roll. Yeah. I was like literally in the background. Yeah. Like they didn't even yeah, like yeah. use any of my content. Anyway, no, and
2: it's great because also I as as we know I'm so verbose that like I, I can't talk in sound bites like they need. So. Oh yeah. You and I. Um, but anyway, so they, they they asked me about Google, um, and I you know gave them thirty minutes on the history of Google, but the thing that I came back to was. Um, you know, you, you look at certain people like I don't think Mark Zuckerberg was a good entrepreneur, and then he learned how to be one. Mm. I maintain that Larry and Sergey are and always were engineers, and they 100%. accidentally became entrepreneurs. Yes, and they were and they weren't good at it. That's why Eric Schmidt had to come be. in. Okay, right, all right, and continue. they and they tried, and there were times when they wanted to be good good entrepreneurs, right? But they're not. They're OK? Not. They're not. And in the same way that we can talk about different companies, cultures, Twitter, I might say some more shit about Jack Dorsey tomorrow. but um, the, the, the problem with Google is is that, like you just said, they, they landed upon one of the greatest um, business models of all time, yeah. and no one I don't, it's no one's fault. But um they 've never been able to go beyond that now they tried to in the best way because fucking Larry uh, wanted to do self driving cars when he was at the University of Michigan and shit. you know that 's true
0: Yeah, it goes back mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and so and so and so, there was a time when they were like, "Look, we 've got this great money machine, and we 're going to yep. do all these moonshots because we have this great money machine, but it hasn't worked out and so google uh, Al- we should be saying alphabet, I guess, but that 's the fucking problem. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> Okay, uh, my point is, is, and, and as I said, I've been hearing people be bearish on Alphabet for years, and it's never really panned out. But I still maintain that I don't know what Alphabet's um, mission statement is right now. I don't, I don't know, and I don't know that anyone there knows.
0: And it may not even matter. You know? It might not. Some of these companies are so successful. Hey, listen. Mm-hmm
2: there, there is start taking off dividends. Like it, mm. you don't have to be a growth stock forever, mm. <laughs> you know? Uh, um,
0: I, yeah, yeah. But I don't, I don't know. Like, I guess I wonder it, like one in this, in this you know market, in this, this economy, and also with the expectation of growth, whether or not, if you and this happened to face to, to, to Meta recently, where they started to, or they lost, you know, that, that growth narrative. And now the stock is like totally off. So in terms of, the ability to attract new talent and to hire people and get them in and, you know, reward them with, you know, equity or, you know, stock grants. I think grants. that
2: ship has sailed for some of these companies. That's, that's kind of where my thinking has yeah, come yeah. around to recently. But go on, finish your point.
0: No, well, I mean, it, it might be. I guess my question is, or my point is that, like, for these big tech companies, that one sort of metric and rubric, like, like growth at all costs um, and growth, infinite growth forever is the thing that you know continues to motivate and drive everybody so even if Uh they do a thousand you know million bets or whatever and you know none of them really pay off as long as in general they continue to grow and hire more people and i mean amazon has what like a million people working for it now like it's just like it's it's insane that that is the 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 organizing function of these you know massive organizations now and that they can't take the you know their foot off the gas or else you know they sort of like you know, lose momentum, they lose speed, they lose direction, they lose focus. So I, to your point, these, I mean, it's sort of actually, think about a lot of the companies from like the 2000s that had these grandiose abstract you know, gobbledygook mission statements, you know, uh, that didn't mean anything. Um, there was yeah, like,
2: but that, Google set the template for that. And that's another thing that um, I said on
0: that. The no, th- you're saying that Google didn't have a mission statement that was clear. Oh, it was clear, but it yeah. was grandiose. You uh, said well, grandiose. No, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying like Accenture style. You know, kind of like giving the world better. You know, well, clarity listen, through. Don't you know, be
2: evil and um, organizing the world's information and making it um, uh, universally accessible is grandiose.
0: Uh, okay, well, I'm, I'm saying something a little bit different, which is just that it mm. feels like some of these companies reach a certain scale of success. I mean, you know, I guess I'm thinking about like Bosch or something, you know, they make, they make anything from like, I don't know, military equipment to like washing machines or something like they just kind of like
4: have,
2: uh, I've been, I've been rewatching um, uh, 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 Michael Clayton recently. And so the you mm-hmm. North video where it's like you North. Uh, <laughs> right. I don't know if people know that movie, but anyway, yeah. Or, okay. uh, a company that is 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 changing the world by killing people with their weed killer or something, <laughs>
0: uh, right? Yeah, or like like Nokia or something. Anyways, like it, sh- it does feel like companies get to a certain you know scale and size, and then they become more amorphous, like a comp- like a country or whatever. And they just have to kind of keep things moving and going. It's 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 the way that we build kind of sports and games. It's like an infinite game, and so Google is engaged in the infinite game of organizing the world's information and trying to index it and. Mm-hmm. You know, part of the, the exhaust of that is that they do have, you know, periodically like pretty good products that come out, like whether it's, you know, YouTube, you know, whether it's Google Maps. I mean, I do think that they, the services that they provide, <laughs>
2: yes. you what, know, no, yes. Oh, no, they're fantastic.
0: So, I mean, I guess like what, um, I, what I think about and I don't know that this happened, but I would think that there would be some tech transfer between like what Stadia was doing with, you know, AI or, you know, maybe not computer vision, but like the TPU usage, because... I'm trying to evaluate your original statement about what Stadia was for, which was to justify their cloud ambitions and their investment in all those, um, you know, basically building their own chips, right? So they have to have a sufficient amount of of throughput to to justify that investment. And so gaming is a great place to do that because it's super expensive to run those high-intensity games. Also, now you're seeing more game-like interactions show up in places like Google Maps. So for example, I think uh, on the show today, you talked about how there's like this flyover view now where, you know, through this simulation that they run, they will show you what areas are likely to be crowded on a certain day that you're traveling or visiting some new city. I mean, that's amazing. But the amount of math uh, that's needed for that is the kind of stuff that you'd expect in video games. So it may be that Stadia ran its course, you know, provided its function... Uh, Again, I'm totally speculating, and maybe these teams are completely separated, but to your original point about justifying the expense for cloud computing, gaming is a really, really good foundation for that.
2: Uh, Yes, Um, except for the fact that you're going to run away from it. And and that's the knock-on effect. So then do you, as an enterprise, go to Google Cloud? Do you, as an enterprise, go to Google Docs? Do you, as a user, do Google whatever? To, to, to finally step on my the last thing that I, I would have used tomorrow is a friend of the show, Anil Dash, tweeted, they needed the Stadia name for a new messaging service. But that's the point. That's really uh, good. That's um, really good. Uh, so, okay, uh, two things to wrap. Uh, I forgot to make the point that I was going to make about... Um, uh, real quick, and I'm going to say this and you don't have to comment unless <laughs> sure. you want to. Uh-huh. Um, when we started doing these shows, yeah. there was a whole bunch of um, VC uh, energy behind uh, the creator economy. Uh, we're old enough to remember that. And then it got upended by Web3 and crypto in the, in the what we now know as the bubble era um and it, to 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 the degree that people hate what i do on this show they they hate the fact that it's like oh you're just um um reporting on the way the way the winds are blowing in terms of where the energy is and investing and startups and things like that but yeah is that, that your is, job
0: you have a daily show th-
2: that is my job um <laughs> i i want to make this point real quick yeah don't you feel like ai is taking over uh
0: uh um yes
2: uh, well and, and, and by that, I mean the folks, the, the folks that blow the wind in the sails of this is where, this is what's hot. This is where you should be doing startups. I swear to God, Chris, in the last month, those, it, 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 not to be cynical about it, but those folks, man, are all of a sudden not talking about Web3 as much anymore.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Okay, when you say those folks, you'd be a little more specific. Who are the people who are no longer talking about Web3 and are now talking about AI?
2: Not, it's not been a full transition in the same way that fall isn't here yet in the Northeast. Uh-huh. But, uh, but uh, the winds uh, uh. are changing. Okay, so... <laughs> Feel yeah, it. I'll, I'll flesh I'm it talking up. about VCs. I'm talking about okay. VC. Okay. Yeah. VC Twitter.
0: Yeah, got it. So I will. I will. Uh, yes, I will support your your um, your premise and what you're observing and the tea leaves that well, maybe the leaves are blowing. They haven't turned into tea just yet, but certainly uh, with um, OpenAI, you know, putting out. You know, obviously GPT three has been out for a while, but now there's a number of novel use cases and applications that are real. They're in the wild, and the trading data or just like the, the models just keep getting better. So, you know, whether it's like GitHub and autopilot or co-pilot rather, um, you know, writing code for you, I mean, that is an amazing, amazing industrial application, you know, especially for like yeah. developers. Right. So that, that's one very real thing. And,
2: and can I, can I jump on you real quick? Yeah. People in the Web3 space would be like, well, you said uh, people that are uh, skeptical of our space would be like, well, there's no real use case yet. There's no real use case yet for these things. They're just making pictures and stuff like that, except for the fact that I, f- I feel like <laughs> there's tangible things and, no, no, and wait, startups wait, 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 so, are being founded yeah, right now. Yeah. So let me, let, me, let me
0: keep going, because I'm seeing I'm seeing more than what you're seeing, possibly, or at least things that are in this realm. Yes. I, yeah. And, and I agree with you, like, I would, I, I think that, so, so a couple things, you know, happen here. First, there's just, you know, the, the VC industry is very sort of fashion oriented, fashion driven, like whatever the thing that is, you know, fashionable that oh, God, yeah. the big company, you know, or the, like the Andrews and Horowitz's or whatever, you know, are investing in suddenly they're very excited. Right. So Clubhouse, I think probably started the whole craze in the creator economy, you know, $400 million or whatever it was like some, you know, billion dollar valuation, you know, let's go chase and hunt some unicorns. Cool. You know and now we're like oh actually the creator economy really doesn't pay that well and you know yeah there's a few people making some money but it's you know power law distribution and so therefore eh, it's never gonna work out let's go you know do web 3 stuff because now we're gonna like you know create new gatekeepers that we control and that we own and we're gonna have you know 90 board seats or whatever and then oh the crypto thing oh winter is here oh, okay let's screw that let's go to something else oh now it's like ai art now this is actually very interesting for a number of reasons you know and we had um we had Is it Jack um, on on the show uh, from, from Adobe, um, you know, talking Mm -hmm. about uh, mid journey, talking about Dolly, talking about a number of those platforms, like the use of those applications. I mean, we started out with deep dream several years ago, which was actually a Google like project. And that got us to think differently about computer vision because now we're starting to see how the AI is actually interpreting the world. I need to,
2: I need to share tomorrow on a long read. There's a, an article that I sent you, um, that's like 10 years ago the 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 transition to the modern ai era happened and there's like a nice sort of history of how we got to here which is very important but well
0: yeah just like with crypto right i mean everything happened 10 years ago and then now it's happening all at once so all of these kind of strands are coming together and they're they're forming into something that i think is is going to be completely transformational and Absolutely. People have been talking about this for a long time, but it takes a long time for people to build things that are tangible and that help people to understand like what the reality of this is. So for example, today, Meta put out uh, this tool. I think you had it on the show that allows you to essentially write a sentence just like you would with, you know, Mid Journey or Dolly or whatever and generate art. This is now generating like movies. So you just tell it what you want. And essentially it synthesizes all of the keyframes, you know, that like creates... I mean, it's not a very good movie, but nonetheless, it's it's good enough that it's passable. And from a human perception perspective, it gets by. And this, like, it is terrifying because, you know, like last week, we also had the first case where someone uh, trade or copyrighted um, AI generated artwork. Now, granted, there was some transformation involved or whatever. And so the copyright has said, look, you know, we're not going to give copyright to an artificial intelligence algorithm. But if you take that work and then you modify it or you add some, you know, interpretation to it or something, that's, that's cool. That's, that's copyrightable. Well, think about what that is going to do to the the stock art uh, industry. This is something that I believe uh, Getty Images has just said that they're not going to allow um, AI art to be sold. All of these
2: things have been on the show.
0: (laughs) Okay. So I'm I'm just, I'm just uh, synthesizing what you've been saying and trying to put that together to say, look, You know, Adobe buying Figma for $20 billion is a significant look at the future of creativity. And yet we don't even know what's going to happen when you can take something like what Facebook uh, launched today for, for creating videos and movies, and you apply that to the app space. Why can't I launch Figma and, you know, pull up sort of a Siri style interface and tell it what the screen is that I want it to design and then actually program it for me? Why do I have to do that work? Like we have the patterns, you know, the app store is this amazing database of all these different variations and permutations of the types of apps that could exist, that could be automatically written by software. So that is, I think, where we're going to go. And the the type of thing that you're talking about means that the sort of high priestesses and and priests of this era who know things about how to Mm -hmm. build software suddenly become, you know, normal people because AI will actually do the work that those experts used to do. And And that's what we're not really ready for.
2: As as we I think we've said recently, or maybe the last time we actually did a space, like the idea is and this might not bear out, but um, the these are new instruments and you need new artists that know how to right. get, yes. get 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 the, the sound out of that Stradivarius, right? So
0: so it, right. So we shouldn't be I mean, when I, when I use the word terrifying, I just mean that it's it is a, a brave new world that we were about to enter into and we don't quite know how it's going to go. And there's going to be some people that are very afraid of those changes and who will you know, reject them or fight back. Then in other oh, cases, wow. there will oh. be people who are very excited about those changes and will embrace them. And as you said, suggest become the new artists or artisans that can dynamically work with these you know, radically new systems to create amazing things that we haven't been able to see before. I mean, one example of this, and I didn't, I didn't go to Burning Man this year, but uh, a friend did and everyone can cringe, you know, if they want to, but like it's, it's, a, it's, it's Anyways, the, the the drone show this year apparently was like, you know, something that they'd never seen before. And now you're you're mapping or matching kind of, you know, real world, you know, drone coordination, like drone swarm stuff, you know, with AI algorithms that are able to create these, you know, magnificent, enormous 3D structures without having to blow anything up. I mean, that's, that's the type of thing that I think we can be optimistic about seeing perhaps more of, um, whereas, you know, the other end of the spectrum could be quite, you know, dire. So, we just don't know, but it's. I think there's an inevitability that people have really learned how to deploy these technologies in a way that's like subtle and profound, and as the technology has also gotten you know, much better, more powerful and easier for people to use.
2: When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. finally solves the device trust problem collide ensures that no device can log into your octa protected apps unless it passes your security checks plus you can use collide on devices without mdm like your linux fleet contractor devices and every byod phone and laptop in your company visit collide.com ride to watch a demo and see how it all works That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride collide dot com slash ride. ZocDoc.com slash techmeme and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot slash techmeme. ZocDoc.com slash techmeme. There's a prepper VC that I know that um, is like, you know, we're on the cusp of three or four different things that could completely upend society, and any one of them uh, I don't know <laughs> what it means, but um, in in this particular case, uh, to, to bring it back to my original point of bringing up this topic is, um, uh, I'm not being skeptical, crypto folks, but I am saying that I feel the wind's blowing in terms of, if you believe that what um, the VC Twitter blowing wind in your sails <laughs> I think they're changing to AI because they're getting a sense that there's. Um,
0: Are you suggesting then that uh, people who used to maybe count on VC investment yes. to to yes. run or power their crypto yes. things? Okay, is, that'll be drying up. Is what you're saying?
2: That's what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. Last one, real quick. Yep. yep. Uh, Kindle. Yes. Uh, you and I. Yes. Uh, you don't have a remarkable, two, I do. but you, I do actually, oh, oh, you, you bought one.
0: I have one. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so, but you and I have used that, especially to share articles. Yes. You,
0: you share and me and that your, that your notes and, and your, um, your scribbles and all those things. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, um, the new Kindle, um, the Kindle scribe, the Kindle scribe is a, a, identical size, yeah. identical mm-hmm. weight, um and listen i 'll say straight up and, and no no one 's paying me for this, but i the remarkable especially for doing the the, the vC fun stuff that i 've been doing has been on i, I couldn 't live without it because wow. I, I otherwise i 'd be walking around with different notebooks and different things that I scrolled down. because if you think about it, even on a zoom call, if you 're typing it 's not you 're not engaged oh, I th- especially yeah, totally. mm-hmm. if, if you 're in person. And you're typing on a a laptop you're not engaged writing down on a thing you can still be in the moment with someone and Mm -hmm. making notes and be like this and that and the other thing oh uh, this and that I couldn't live without my Remarkable Um, I I will say that what I don't like about the Remarkable is that it's not very integrated with things like you know Dropbox uh, Mm -hmm. uh, OneNote uh, things like that um and also i have put books on the remarkable and i've read them but i the fact Mm. that now all of a sudden i can put all of my kindle library on there like it's crazy so i i did pre-order uh what are you thinking
4: i mean
0: this is so i think this is a broader topic and i think you know we can have this conversation next week um like just is, is, is about the degree to which it's almost impossible. It seems for like the tech ecosystem to, to work properly um, from a competitive perspective, because if Amazon is able to put out this scribe and essentially wipe out remarkable, you know, remarkable kind of had like two options. Now I don't know anything about, you know, their business or what they're going through and maybe they have a very strong user base. Um, But uh, like, how does, how does remarkable really like, struggle through this. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Their whole reason for being has just been co-opted by Amazon putting out, you know, a competitive product that is only going to get better. That and, is and doing better. the one
2: thing that yeah. I'm missing from their product. Right. Now,
0: now obviously, I don't know how good the Scribe technology will be, and you'll have to report on that for us. And, you know, maybe it'll still be the case that um, the remarkable is still remarkable when it comes to making marks. Um, but if, if it doesn't have that integration with um, your Kindle library, your book reading library, um, that feels like that's a a major loss. And so if you want to be writing on the same surface in which you're reading books, um, which, you know, I know Apple was hoping people would do with their iPads, but I just, I don't know. It hasn't really worked for me in that case. Um, you know, it, it, it makes it really hard for a hardware startup, I think to, you know, succeed, you know, when someone like that is just going to come up and and eat your lunch. And i have been thinking a lot about that. I guess I'll preview the conversation a little bit, but you know, about that, when it comes to, um, Peloton, you know, and what mm. Apple is doing with Apple fitness. Um, and also like Apple music, you know, I, I did, I, I went for the new, um, AirPods pro brilliant, um, you know, solid upgrade. And Wait, um,
2: uh, how much, how much better is the noise canceling?
0: So I, I gotta imagine for people who are in crowded places like New York, it's gotta be amazing. I mean, I am mostly right now, like around my home and house, but it definitely, I would say it's at least 15 to 20% um, better, which is actually significant. You know, it was good before, and now they're, they've improved the algorithm so that it kind of cuts out like sharp noises or loud sounds. I got to say, like you know, when I grind my coffee in the morning, when I'm like listening to you know a podcast, now I can actually continue to listen while the grinder is going on. So it's it's definitely improved that way. Um, and also, you know, they have a feature that I thought should have been there from the beginning, which is just the swipe to yeah, control uh, the volume. Uh, you know, that's what uh, this
2: is the thing. Like in the same way, I'm going to say this about the um, the Kindle uh, Scribe. Is, well, they're not going to. This is a great device for um, comic books, but it's not in color. Well, yeah. they'll give that to you two years from now. They yeah,
0: could, that's right. They yeah. can give it to you well, right I now. Mean, they have Comixology. Yeah. Like they have one of the major distribution platforms for digital comics. So,
2: but to, it, to the yeah. point of yeah. what you're saying is the ability to, with your finger, turn down the volume. <laughs> yes, yes.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so, so yeah. AirPods Pro, you know, good. but my point though is actually that when you do the pairing, of your AirPods Pro for the first time, um, you know, with your with your iPhone, your iOS device, um, it offers you a six month trial of Apple Music, and you know, like I'm sure a lot of people already have their music dev- you know, platform of choice. But I was thinking about it from you know, like a young person's perspective. Like if I'm you know 15 or something, and I've you know got my new AirPods or something, I may actually sign up for Apple Music in that moment, and that's the thing that's going to essentially hook me for life. So. That yeah. integration into the operating system is an is enormous competitive advantage that just over time kind of gradually squeezes out companies like Spotify um, in a way that can be, you know, really deleterious to competition. So that's another angle of this that I'm looking at that's like, hmm, like you know, if Amazon can come out and, you know, I don't know, completely undercut uh, the remarkable, if Apple can come out and mm. undercut Spotify, you know, this mm. rich ecosystem, which, you know, we're always kind of lamenting is not as rich as it could be. I feel like could get a lot worse um, if if you know we're not mindful um, of of the way in which these platforms and companies are using their dominance to essentially you know take over spaces that are in adjacency to what they're currently doing.
2: Well, uh, to end tonight, I think I've said this before, but uh, I recently switched from Spotify to Apple Music um, uh, for, for various yep. reasons. But one of yep. the reasons why I'm probably locked in now is because my Spotify listening. Uh, profile was killed by having kids Ah. and so i was able to start fresh and so i'm i'm loving the fact Mm -hmm. that the, the apple's new music uh algorithm uh is trained on the fact that i love the jam and i love you know um super furry animals and stuff like that and like
0: uh, so it's, now it's such an unfair it. advantage you No, know, I'm totally yeah. with you I actually, yeah. and, and I don't know if you know this or if I've to put it before, but I actually had to create a new, so I do subscribe to uh, Spotify Premium and I have a family account, and so there's, there's five of us, and it's all under one plan and so because there's four of us, I created one more additional account because I use Sonos to play back music um, I, I use that fifth account as my sleep music account because Essentially, all of my recommendations on Spotify were getting destroyed by listening to so much sleep music. So, yeah. I, I anyway, so I'm totally with you. And if you were to start a Spotify account fresh, you might find that actually it's quite, you know, quite good and quite delightful. Mm. But one mm. last thing mm. that I, I I don't know when this is going to happen, I think this is actually also a very big problem is that especially Apple um, is moving towards like hi fi and high quality streaming, like Dolby Atmos. Um, and actually, you had a, a, a comment on your show about how Google yeah. is developing a new codec. Uh, That's meant to be essentially like the open source equivalent or something of the Dolby's format, uh, the Atmos format. And that too becomes a form of lock-in because from a power dynamics perspective, if the AirPods Pro can deliver the Dolby Atmos sound from Apple Music more efficiently than say Spotify, and if Spotify never, I don't know when they're going to come out with their Spotify Hi-Fi, it's supposedly in the product, but it hasn't really been out there. And Sonos has it too, because there's all this remastering that's going on behind the scenes to essentially level up the quality of music that's being streamed. That also will become a differentiator for these platforms.
2: It's like um, that, what is it H H E D. What's what's the Apple format? H,
0: yeah, Yeah. H E V C is one of yeah. them, and then H E I C is for yeah, this World video and, and yeah. So it, anyway, like all all yeah. of the, those proprietary formats, you know, for same stream as it ever cetera, was. Same as it ever was. All right, we got to wrap. Yeah. But
2: um, good to be back. Uh, Yes, uh, I love everybody. I especially love people in Lee County and Charlotte County, Florida, right now. Um, yeah. My peeps, where I grew up. Um,
0: I also, you know, I'm going to give a shout out to, um, you know, our our, our friends on the, the right side of history in, in Russia. Um, I've got some colleagues over there who have had to uh, mm. escape, you know, because of mm. that, and
1: it's real good.
2: So, yeah, uh, glad you got out. Yeah. Um, I love everyone. God bless everyone. Uh, Chris, it's been a long time since we've spoken. The longest we've we've done in two years, yeah. All right.
0: I'm happy to be back. All right, guys.
2: Later. Thanks.